0: Here on Socks in the Basement, I really enjoy the fact that we have guys that come on who cover the White Sox, and they have no filter, and they're not worried about what anybody thinks of them. They're going to give you an honest opinion, and one of those guys that's been on here several times is James Fox. Formerly, it was called the Loop Sports. It's now from the Sideline Sports. He also writes a little bit for future socks as well. How are you, James? I'm great, man. How are you? The first thing I want to do is just get your thoughts on this, because I... I look now on White Sox Twitter or whenever I'm in a chat room or if I'm on Facebook or things get sent to me here at Sox in the basement and everybody has these ideas like, let's do this in free agency, let's do that, we should sign this guy, we should sign that guy. The first question I want to ask you though is, how much money do you really think the White Sox will get up to? If you look at Spot Track right now, they have their payroll tracker up for 2019 and what everybody did. The White Sox payroll, when you add in, guys are on injured reserve. Sunk cost, like basically guys they had to buy out or that they had to, uh, you know, absorb some money from a trade or, or anything else, it was up to 91 million and change. 67 million around there was on the major league roster. The league average would need to be somewhere around 137 million, and I don't see them going anywhere higher than that because the Atlanta Braves. At their their young team, even though they have 117 million of those 137 million that they spent last year on the major league roster, if you got up to league average, the White Sox could make the argument: Hey, we got the same thing the Braves had, and they made the postseason. Would they spend enough to get up to that level? I'll take the under on 137, but it better be
1: it better be 120. Um, I know, like you talked about going to spot track. So if, if you look at next year's contract, it's literally three players: it's Tim Anderson. Calvin Herrera and uh, Eloy Jimenez and it's a total of $14.8 million. Now that's pre-arbitration numbers and I'm sure, you know, the listeners saw some of those numbers floating around. MLB Trade Rumors kind of does a guess every year at what arbitration raises will be. Um, Alex Calamay should be like right around $10 million which I think is too much. I would non-tender him. James McCann's right around five. million. Rodan's five. So I mean, I think that pushes them close to like 45 million or something like that. But I mean, that should still leave them like 80 million dollars to play with, you would think. I hope that when they're winning, it's like near 150. But even though they were 90 in a bad year, I feel like 110 to 120. And I hope they prove me wrong, like that it's more.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, people want to sit down right now and play GM. I love playing GM. I play in a fantasy baseball dynasty league. I love sitting down every year. I've been doing it since back when I was a teenager. If they released in the newspaper, you know, what, what the free agents were, and they used to put out like a big spreadsheet. I remember the Tribune used to put out a big thing back when newspapers were a thing. They would put out a big spreadsheet of like, here's all the free agents. Here's what they made last year. And you'd sit there and go, God, we could go get this guy. Wouldn't this guy look great in a uniform? And you just kind of like, guess. I like doing that. But you kind of want to know like what's realistic for your team. You're thinking not the league average next year, but you're hoping somewhere between one hundred and ten and one hundred and twenty. Yeah, and that's without Alex Colome in your mind because you don't want to tender him.
1: Oh my god, I I just think that you can do something else, and he's not that good. Now I I think they'll tender him because I don't think they traded for him to not tender him. I would try to deal him um, just because I don't really I wouldn't pay him ten point three million dollars. I would go trade for. Ken Giles and sign Will Harris of the Astros or do whatever other I mean, Columate in the second half, man, just, he wasn't that good. And I think they're going to try to win. I just don't know how long the smoke and mirrors are going to work there. And it's only a one-year deal. That just seems like an easy non-tender to me that everybody's kind of just assumed like he's going to get tendered.
0: Who else are your non-tenders? I'm assuming Yomer Sanchez, you would non-tender off the list. Uh, are you tendering, are you tendering Leary Garcia? Cause I've seen that argument back and forth between.
1: Yeah, people. I think, I think, I think for 4 million, that's fine. I, you know, I'm not positive that, that Robert's going to start with the big club. I mean, obviously Madrigal probably won't. So, I mean, Leary's a guy that could play second. He can play short. He can play, you know, center. I don't think he's a starter. I think he was exposed a little bit last year, but I mean, yeah, he, he's fine. Like he, and he offers you like defensive value at all three spots. Yomer for six million is absolutely absurd. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if they non tendered him and brought him back cheaper because they love him and he loves them kind of. We leads the league in Gatorade baths. But <laughs> I just I just kind of think that a guy like Danny Mendick could do the same thing for no money. Look, the Sox have cut the cord before on guys where it's kind of like Tyler Flowers was a bit of a surprise. Like Matt Davidson wasn't very good, but that was a bit of a surprise. Like they, you know, they did it with with sale, too. So I would expect them to non-tender him because there's no way they pay him six million. But he could be back. I know Sox machines got their like off-season plans going, and people just like tender Josh o- Josh Osich at one million dollars, and it's like why? Like it, it just. It doesn't really make any sense
0: to me. Well, one of the other things that I keep seeing, and, and I've seen it on that site, and I've seen other people say it, is is this idea of re-signing Abreu. Now, I am in the pro-re-sign-Abreu camp, but I am not in the if-you-have-to-give-him-five-years-and-75-million-dollars camp, Okay, especially because he's the worst negotiator in history, and you could probably get him for a couple years plus an option. I'd be open to that. What are your feelings on Jose?
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be two years and maybe an option. I mean they do have Andrew Vaughn coming. They have other options and honestly, you know, Jose's been a good a good soldier and he's a good guy to have around, but he's like almost at the point where he's like at platoon levels, like with his bat. Like he I mean he has like a seven seven sixty OPS against right handed pitching last year. I mean he absolutely demolished lefties. So maybe that's his role. Like maybe he plays D H or first. And within a year and a half here, he's only facing left-handers, and you just have him around because he's Jose, and this is the only place where he wants to play. And, you know, he's got all the like, Cuban guys on the team and whatnot. But, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not giving him four years at, you know, 70 or something. I think that's crazy. I think it's something like two years, 32, 34 million, something like that, with a third-year option. And he has to understand that he, he probably has to DH going forward. I mean, it. it I mean, he doesn't like it, but he's going to have to deal with it because I think first base like might be, might be occupied.
0: Well, let's talk now about the recent article that you put out. You were talking a little bit about White Sox free agency, and you talked about a target that you want the White Sox to go out and get. It was, was that it was in the headline. You want Yasmani yes. Grandal. Now I like what you have to say. I mean, he's got a he He's got an over five war. His his WRC plus was 121. Okay, he 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 played extremely well. And the thing that only the only thing that concerns me about him is this is signability. You you have to remember that he wanted a certain amount of money. And when he didn't get it, he took a one year deal and bet on himself. I think this guy would do it again unless you pay him. So is it realistic for the White Sox to get him and then tell me why this is your number one target? Well, I mean, I think it should be realistic
1: would I bet on them getting him? No, because I don't know for sure that they're going to target a catcher. But I mean, I think we all know, like the White Sox aren't going to be in on Anthony Rendon. They're not going to be in on Garrett Cole. You know, I came on your show and said they were getting Manny Machado. So, you know, we all saw the tragic ending to that story, but I don't, I don't really mind if they're not in on Garrett Cole. Like I, I get that. Like, like, you know, this year, after you've seen the growth from some of these prospects, you can make the argument that they should just sign four to five players. Like I'm fine with that approach, but I mean, Yasmani Grandel should be one of those guys. And I I think last year, I think the qualifying offer kind of hurt him a little bit. I think he was offered multi-year deals. Like supposedly one was from the White Sox, but I think it was probably like, Hey, you know, we have to give up a draft pick for you. How would you like four years and 55 million? And, you know, I think he turned it down and took the $18 million over one year to come back out, test the market again this year with no draft pick attached. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a five war catcher and he's 30. Like, I, I mean, I could see him getting four years and $70 million. And honestly, I think that's a bargain for him because I don't, I don't, I don't think they have that. And honestly, like James McCann was, uh, he was, he was pretty good this year. I mean, he played in the all-star game, but I do think that James McCann was exposed a little bit. And I think in the second half, he obviously wasn't as good. You know, I think he gets some credit for Lucas Giolito's turnaround. I think he's been good working with the pitchers. I think he hit really well against left-handed pitching, and I think there's a spot for him. But I don't think that means he should be playing 130 baseball games next year. So, you know, how do you get better? Like, well, they want a left-handed bat. There's not a ton of left-handed bats on the market. So I think Yosemite Grandel fits fits pretty perfectly, actually. And, I mean, I think I I wrote in the article – You know, he's another Cuban-American. He's buddies with Zach Collins. I think it's a fit, and I really hope they're after him. And, you know, Scott Merkin of MLB.com mentioned in his, like, one of his recent mailbags that that he would be a target. And, you know, Scott's pretty plugged in with some of that stuff. So, I don't know. I hope he's right in this case.
0: So, you mentioned in there that he's friends with Zach Collins, but then you're also talking there's a role for James McCann. Is there really room for three guys that can sit behind the plate on a major league roster? I mean, I know I know we're going to twenty six men, but I mean, is is there room for all these guys? Because there's going to be the argument of, well, you don't want to stunt Collins because you want to see if he's going to be good. But on the other hand, there's the, here's a lefty when there's not a lot of good left-handed bats, and it's a great position to get a guy at who could contribute at the catcher position. And then you got the James McCann camp. How do you how do you juggle that? And do you think that that Ricky Renteria can juggle that if he's got all three of those guys on his major league roster? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, I know that three fits, um, and I think like you know by now like my feelings on Zach Collins. You know, I call myself the leader of the fan club, <laughs> and I don't know for sure. You know the James McCann's going to be back after next year, so I guess what I what I would say is I wouldn't worry about Zach Collins. I kind of think like if you can get if you can get Yasmani Grandal, just get Yasmani Grandal, and then you figure out the rest later. I mean maybe they trade Zach Collins for something. But what they do need is guys that can get on base, right, and guys that hit for power from the left side. And I think Zach Collins can do both. Yeah, I mean I think there should theoretically be a spot for all three of them. It just depends on what what else they do. I mean I've I advocated for JD Martinez as well. And I don't know how that you know, I don't know how that whole thing works out.
0: Yeah, well I'm I'm nervous anytime you're talking about a Scott Boris client. Here's a, here's an interesting though question for you. If the White Sox went out and were able to get Grandel and they were able to lock him down does Zebby Zavala then become trade bait or at least somebody that you include in a package to try to pick up something else you're looking for? Because you have a lot of guys in your organization at that point. He's getting towards the back end of his 20s, and some people still consider him to be somebody who could contribute to a major league roster down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, so he has fans, but one of the issues with Zebby was that like he was really bad offensively in AAA last year. So, I mean, he rose through the ranks to the point where, you know, some people kind of liked him better than Zach Collins, just like as a catcher, but he, you know, he hit for power at Charlotte, but so did everybody. And he struck out at like a 38% clip. You know, I don't buy into small sample sizes, but he did look really bad in the majors too. So I'm, I'm not even sure he's going to survive like the 40 man crunch that's coming before rule five in December. Like, you know, if you found out, you know, one day within the next two weeks, like, Oh, Sebi Zavala claimed off waivers by such and such. like That wouldn't, really surprised me at this point. So I just I just don't know how high they are on him. I mean, yeah, sure, he could be included in a deal for sure. I just don't know if he has any value.
0: A neighborhood bar, a Southside tradition, your home base for Sox viewing parties, Cork and carry at the Park, 3258 South Princeton Avenue, where they have an incredible menu that includes award-winning burgers, Chicago favorites, wings, beef, Pulled pork, mac and cheese, salads, wraps, nachos, and an incredible environment. When I'm getting a drink pre-game or post-game, it's over at Cork & Carry at the Park. And in case you didn't know, you can rent the entire bar out for events. Just visit them at corkandcarryatthepark.com for more details. Cork & Carry at the Park, at the corner of 33rd and Princeton, right near the park. We'll see you there. James Fox, he's from the Sideline Sports, from the SidelineSports.com, James, I would love to hear your thoughts of realistic pitching free agents that not only do you think the White Sox could go after, but you'd like them to go after. Because I, I, I also see some Sox fans all saying, we should just bring back Ivan Nova. I think there's better out there, and I think you need two. I think you need to find a guy that's going to fill that role. I, I almost put Kopeck and Rodon in one slot because of innings counts and Kope getting in there late, Rodon probably towards the end of the year, and you want to have a pitcher that could probably come in there and eventually become like a six starter, a middle reliever type guy who has that versatility. And then you still have to find one more starter for the whole year. Am I am I right in that thinking? And what do you think? Yeah,
1: I think they definitely need two starting pitchers and one of them has to be like really good.
0: Um it's
1: not going to be Garrett Cole. It might not even be Zach Wheeler, depending on how much they spend on the offense. It's like one thing that's like super fascinating for me, this off season is I, you know, you you started the show by asking me how much they're going to spend. I, I don't know. I mean, they they could spend a ton. Like if, you know, I think Zach Wheeler's probably going to get like four years and 88 million or four years and 90 million. And I think he might be worth it because some of his peripherals are good, but I just, I don't know how many, like, if they want to block certain guys, I don't know if they want to go. I have heard that they will, that they like Madison
0: Bumgarner. I like him too. James, I like him too. That's that's my guy that I would like them to go grab as, and, and bring him in there as a veteran present with those young guys, with several with all those playoff appearances, all those World Series appearances. He still has peripherals that show me that he can be one hell of a contributor if you sign him for a couple of years. And you could probably get him for three to four years, which fits in the Reinsdorf thing.
1: Yeah, so the question about Madison Bumgarner is, like, does he want to come to the American League because he loves to hit? So... I think one of the big questions is, I think he might stay in the National League for that reason. Um, I think another guy that I've seen mentioned that I wouldn't mind is Jake Odorizzi. You know, he slots in probably in like a number three or number four role, but he was pretty good for the Twins this year. Like he had bad starts, which inflated his ERA, but he had a lot of good starts. You know, I'd be pretty surprised if it's like Madison Bumgarner and Jake Odorizzi. You know, I think it'll be one – fairly significant big name number two type starter and then a flyer per se like you know somebody like uh Tanner Rourke or you know even Felix Hernandez some you know somebody that because I don't really think they trust Reynaldo Lopez and you can't you you can't have too many starters I mean you know I've seen people that are like oh they need one starter because they have all these young guys like yeah, that that's fine. Like nobody nobody's ever had too much pitching. I think they I think they need two starting pitchers.
0: Let me ask you this though, and it's funny. Whenever I look at the free agent pitcher list, uh, you know the guy from the Dodgers Ryu is always up there, but nobody ever talks about him. Is the belief that the Dodgers are going to sign him and nobody will even have a chance? Is the belief that that was like that was the best you're ever going to get out of him, and it would be a mistake to sign him when he's already 33 years old? Like, why does he never get mentioned when people are talking about potential starting pitchers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's really good. He was awesome last year. I guess I just assume that those guys are going to stay on the West Coast. Like, it's just – it's rare that they – and he's, like, what, 33? So I think he'll have offers. Like, I don't know. A lot of a lot of those Japanese players like to stay West. So I guess I just assume that, like, he's not an option. But, I mean, if one day, like, the White Sox signed him, like, that would be – that would be great. I mean, they don't really have a left-handed starter in the pipeline. That's why I guess I started with Bumgarner and Keiko. But, you know – just like on the hitter side, like you don't necessarily want to be a slave to handedness this offseason. You just want like as good of players as you can get. That's fine. I do think they're going to sign pitching. You know, there's snark all over Twitter. Like, oh, yeah, they're going to sign Felix Hernandez and Ivan Nova. Like, you know, that that's fine. Like, they haven't really earned the benefit of the doubt, but like that's – there's no way that's their plan.
0: I think you and I have talked about this before. There, there are different types of White Sox fans, and it's never been more apparent to me – than it is right here at the end of the season, beginning of this offseason. People have really separated into different groups. Everywhere from the people that are so negative that they just, it's all going to fall apart and and nothing good is going to happen. To the people that are like, yeah, they're going to go sign some guys, but it's going to be all the guys you don't want. To the people that may sit there and say, realistically, based on this team's spending, they're not going after Garrett Cole. They're not giving anybody long-term deals, but there are guys that fit in what they like that they'll go after. And those are the names I think you and I have talked about today on the program. And then you have the people that are blind faith. Like I get, I get people who send me hate mail or hate emails or tweets or some guy who told me he was never listening to my show again because I was like, Garrett, Garrett Cole isn't coming here. Like who are just blinded by the idea that, that well, since, since Rick said that the, the, the money will be spent, it'll be spent. That that didn't mean they were going and getting Garrett Cole. I And there are all these different camps now, and this is just such an amazing time to kind of watch White Sox fans all kind of at each other, like, no, you're wrong. And, and we really don't know what's going to happen in this offseason, but I, like you, am fascinated just to watch it and just hope that we don't get the spring training going, wait a minute, nothing happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing is, though, they, they kind of have to spend, right? And that doesn't mean that we're going to like it. But, I mean, we we just went over this. Like, they have $15 million committed. Like, so even to get to the 90 that they spent this year, like, they have to dole out some money. And I think think they plan to. And I think there's – look, there's a path to contention without signing a $300 million player. And, you know, I was all on board the Machado thing last year. You were as well. Many people were you know, everybody heard my reaction to it. I hammered them because, and most of that was because, you know, it was a guy that they covered, they coveted and they botched it. You know, it was like a perfect storm. Like it was the, it was a, you know, the perfect guy at the right time this year, not so much. Right. I mean, you've seen what Elon Mankata has turned into. So, and Anthony Rendon is probably going to stay in Washington or go to Texas or go wherever. Like I'm not as, I, like I don't care as much if they decide that they're not going to get Anthony Rendon but they're going to sign, you know, three offensive contributors instead of him. I mean, if it comes across the wire that Anthony Rendon's signing with the White Sox and he's going to play first base, like I'd be ecstatic. But like that why, why would he come here to do that? It just it doesn't really make any sense. <clears throat> There's also the the camp on Twitter that, you know, wants you to turn around and trade whatever prospects you can for one season of Mookie Betts or one or two seasons of Noah Syndergaard, and then you know we'll just make them resign here because these people forget who owns the team. I mean, so some of this stuff is just it's madness right now. You know, as good as this World Series I think is about to be, I'm ready for the off to start so we can actually see what's going to happen. Yeah. even though it probably won't happen, even though it probably won't happen until February.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I'm wondering. That's what it, that was the, the next thing I was going to tell you. How long do you think it will be before we see the White Sox make any kind of move, with the exception of optioning out of the Wellington Castillo deal, which I swear if they don't do that, I'm going to have to put <laughs> Dave on suicide watch. I mean, he he is, he he came down the other day and he's like, I swear if for some, if they do that, if they keep Castillo for one more year, I'm done. And I, I don't even know if I could ever get him to come back here and talk again. He just, he would literally just be done at that point. Do you think that they, I mean, I think they should strike quick. They have so many needs if they're not going for all top tier talent and they have a plan which they should have because you could sit. I mean, if all the fans could sit down and come up with plan A through plan Z on websites and talking back and forth with each other on Twitter and talking on podcasts, they should have like 15, 20, I don't know, 150 different plans. They should have like a guy on there that shows up on like 75% of those plans. are like, let's go get that guy like right now. He's like a mid tier guy, sign him in the first couple of weeks and be like, at least now we know the direction that we're headed in. I mean, is there even a chance of that?
1: Right, I mean, that's, so that's where Grandall comes in. I mean, I guess I could see him signing, like as soon as he hears what he wants, because he's not a Boris guy. I mean, you know, I'm sure Boris is going to take his guys late into the winter because that's what he does, and he has a million of them. I don't know how many of those guys the Sox are
0: going to be after. I don't want them to be. I don't want them to be after any of them, though, James. That's the thing. They should literally at this point have a policy that we don't talk to Scott Boros' people. Because they never ever get any of them, and they're always played by Scott Boris. We can do it without these four guys. We're not even look at these four guys, let's sign these other guys and stay out of the Boris thing and then you know what if we get to February and there's still a guy we want to be in on and we've got ninety percent of our plan done, we'll jump in there because he isn't gonna none of those guys are gonna sign until the end of February,
1: yeah, I mean he has lots of clients though I mean he has like Dallas Keuchel. he has you know I I don't know. I don't know if he has Bumgarner or not. I'm not sure. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he has Cole and Rendon. He's going to play that out. I mean, the JD Martinez thing, I expect the White Sox to be involved in because quite frankly, like there's just not that many teams that he fits right now. So, you know, I think the JD Martinez thing gets resolved early because I think, I think he has to choose to opt out or not, like by five days after the world series. Um, that doesn't mean that he opts out and signs somewhere right away, though. You know. So, and I think the, I think the, the the first meetings, the GM meetings, are like November eighth, ninth, tenth, something like that. You know. I and mean, we used to hear about deals at those meetings, but now it, you don't even hear about deals at the winter meetings. So, I don't know. I mean, I think their first fairly significant signing will come prior to the winter meetings.
0: Uh, by the way, Legacy Agency representing uh, Madison Bumgarner, so it's not Scott for okay, So, so, that, he, so he's good. on my list still. He's still on my list, so I'm excited about that. All right, that's James Fox. You can read all of James's stuff. He, he He's on Future Sox, and he's also on From the Sideline Sports. You can read all that stuff at fromthesidelinesports.com. That is formerly The Loop Sports. James, I love it every time that you come on, and I look forward to some some fun conversations this winter, I felt like we were having a great time together. You and I, then the Machado thing happened and then it just, it, it, it dampened things. And I've told myself I'm going into this off season saying that happened. It's done. It's over. Yeah, sure. If this thing does not work out, we may all be sitting around saying that was the, that was the sign that they were never going to do what we thought they were going to do. But I want to hope and I need hope, especially in the off season. I need hope. And so I am going to, again, reluctantly throw myself into the arena of hope and hope that something big is going to happen. And hopefully the two of us will be rewarded for that.
1: Yeah. It's like Pandora's box, right? They like, they, they put hope into the world and that's, yeah, I guess it's all we, I guess it's, I guess it's all we have at this point.
0: That's all we have. James Fox. Thanks a lot, bud. Thanks man. Imagine if an ex us marshal registered nurse and current military chaplain, who is also a neighborhood priest, Sat down at my nine foot homemade oak bar, poured himself a drink, and answered any question I asked him. Now imagine if I really asked everything. That's Me and the Priest. It is another great 30 minute podcast from the Broadcast Basement Network. Maybe check it out after this show. It's found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at meandthepriest.com. <laughs> I want to say thanks once again to James Fox. He writes for Future Sox and also from the Sideline Sports. You can find both of those at websites with those names with .com right after them. He did me a great favor by coming on the show this week, not only to impart some knowledge and kind of talk about the things that he's heard behind the scenes, but also because Dave wasn't able to make it. Get well soon, buddy. We will see you next week. The way the flu or whatever this is, this this fall ickiness that is going around, is going through the Lanuti household. I am the last man standing right now. So you may get an entire episode of Angry Dave next week. Wouldn't that be fun? So let's think about what James just said here in the last few minutes. On this episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Joseph's Finest Meats. I didn't get them in yet. Joseph's Finest Meats simple old school Italian butcher shop showcasing prime aged beef, chops, and homemade sausages. Seriously. It's really good stuff. It's old school. It's old world. There's a little old Italian guy, him and his sons. They cut everything. 7101 West Addison Street in Chicago. Joseph's finest meats. Nobody beats their meat. All right, so let's think about what James said. Let's just let's let's break down like the things that I took from this conversation as I tried to figure out, can the White Sox do something exciting in the offseason? Let's just talk about what he thinks they could spend. Based upon what they're going to have to spend when they do their arbitration, based upon what they're going to have to bring into the season before they get the free agency, he said $80 million. He thought $80 million could be spent in 2020 in new contracts is what I took from that conversation. Let's take what James is talking about and see what the White Sox could actually get. Let's look at Madison Bumgarner. I like him. Let's say that the White Sox can convince him to give up hitting on a regular basis in the American League and tell him, look, when the game's out of reach, Madison, we'll pinch hit you every once in a while and let you play the field in the ninth inning in those blowout games. And he goes, that's good enough for me. Show me the money. Looking at the fact that the guy made not that much money in the past year, I think it was like at about $12 million. Let's give him a big bump. Let's get crazy. Let's say that he costs something like like, he's going to be somebody that you're going to give four years to or something like that or five years to, like, you give him something long, it's kind of spread out, it's staggered, but let's say you're spending, let's say, $24 million a year on Madison Bumgarner. All right, so we'll we'll take that $24 million. Now, let's talk about somebody else. The other pitcher he's talking about, Jake Orderezi, or a guy that I really like, Alex Wood. Get that guy in there because both of those guys have demonstrated that they can not only be starting pitchers at the back end of a rotation, but can easily move into that long relief role and move back and forth within that relief role. So they could be anything this year gives you flexibility. They can go the entire year or if everybody works out, they're not blocking anybody looking at the fact they both made under $10 million last year and they're not front end starters and giving them a raise. Let's let's give them a raise. Okay, we're going to give them a raise. $12 million. Okay. So we're going to give them $12 million. And then let's go with the exact contract that James thought that Yasmani Grandel could get, which comes out to about $17.5 million a year. At that point, the White Sox will have only spent $53.5 million in salary, well below what they would need to just get to what James is saying at about $110 to $120, which is still well below the league average, where he believes they're going to end up. You could add JD Martinez in by going higher in 2020 is what he's going to make and actually giving him more money in the next 2 years. Like JD's getting like about 23 million then like he goes down to 17 for the next 2 on that Red Sox contract. He opts out, you give him 24 across the board. You can even give him a little bit more because that only gets you to 77 and a half. Think about that. Grandal, Martinez, Bumgarner and either Wood or Odorizzi. Would that make you excited? Now, I don't know if I believe in Martinez. I don't know if Bumgarner is going to give up hitting. I don't know what other people are going to offer out there. But the stage is set. I'm ready for the show. And now we here at Sox in the Basement want to hear from you. This is what I want you to do this week. I want you to sit down. I want you to go online. I want you to to look at all the salaries that are out there, what people expect people to make in free agency. And I want you to look at what the White Sox need. And spend somewhere around $80 million. Give or take 10 million in either direction and give us a call. Because I would love to hear what people think the Sox should do. You play GM and Jerry Reinsdorf is your owner. So you don't be unrealistic here. Jerry Reinsdorf is your owner. You're the general manager. 708-459-8406. 708-459-8406. Call. And tell us what you would do. 24-7, 365. You can call that number and leave the message. If you don't like talking, hit us up on Twitter, at Sacks in the Basement, the Sacks in the Basement Facebook page. We're on Instagram, at Sacks in the Basement. And we will see you next week. For fans, by fans, all Sacks, from my 9-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Me and my buddy Dave. Just talking about our team. And hoping, hoping, For more in 2020 and big things this offseason. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.